Our guest this week on the Tech Emergence podcast is Igor Bekalov. Uh, he's chief scientist at Securonix, uh, which is a Los Angeles-based data security company. Uh, we speak this, uh, this week about the trends in data security and uh, where uh, security itself has had to take sort of a step up in the last five years or so as Igor has been involved in the field. Uh, in addition to that, we talk about what the major sort of meta trends have been that have forced data security to advance. What has made artificial intelligence and machine learning sort of a requirement of a modern uh, data security strategy, a modern data security application, when maybe 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't even close to being the case. Igor shed some light on those trends as well as where he thinks things will go in the future. Hope you enjoy this episode with Igor from Securonics. Okay, Igor, so the, the first question I wanted to uh, ping off you here as we start off the interview um, is where the field has come in terms of the applications of AI and machine learning in, let's say, the last five or ten years. If we, if we look back a bit, maybe when, when, I don't know when you initially got involved in the field, but if we look back previously five to ten, where was AI and machine learning kind of making its dent then, if at all? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll talk more about the application to... Um, information security and how it kind of demonstrated itself over the years. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, it opened seven to ten years ago. Um, and we were just starting on this road, and for the most part, um, it was a lot less of learning and a lot more of rules. Hmm. So we knew what the bad behaviors are, we were suspecting what the bad behaviors are. Um, any indicators of uh, malicious behavior, indicators of um, uh, compromise, uh, we would plug them in in various, you know, uh, um, uh, systems to make sure that when we notice that, that we send an alert and some action is taken to uh, stop the intruder or investigate the incidents further. Got it. Um, what happened over the years is that um, the complexity of this um, uh, rules and the complexity and intensity of attackers' behavior um, increased exponentially. So we no longer we could um, uh, really it was impractical to manage this uh, uh, consistently and keep up with the changing um, cyber threat landscape. Uh, we started looking uh, maybe seven, eight years ago um, in the capabilities that allows uh, to uh, let the data drive this process. So instead of the analyst you know, trying to figure out what's good, what's bad, um, lets the data tell us um, what's normal and what's different. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then we will um, kind of um, look across them. Uh, board and see if it matches with any other suspicious behavior and we can uh, uh, derive some conclusions from there. So to me that was really the kind of deep dive into the field of machine learning as it applies to security. Um, the specific issue what we have is really is the, uh, where the most um, clearly you see the need for it is insider threat. Hmm. It's this are your you know this are your employees this are your trusted actors and people who do have access who do stuff um, day in and day out um, like moving data or accessing sensitive data yeah. um, or you know changing configurations in the service and so far. Um, if you 
see somebody crossing your perimeter comes from outside and does something like that, you would definitely get suspicious. Uh, but this is normal tasks for uh, for your insider population, and so uh, the realization that insider threat is one of the you know the really serious factor in yeah. our corporate uh, security posture. Um, it didn't come right away. I mean, it took years really for people to um, re realize how difficult it is just to detect it um, because it's uh, you. Basically, you operate in this gray area where people do what seemingly is um, their normal job functions. Yep. And so, how do you know when they cross this uh, boundary? So again, I mean, the obvious response was, "Yeah, let's write the rules." Yes. And if you're, you know, a bank teller all of a sudden popping on some uh, uh, database in the background that has no uh, business being it, yeah, that's easy. Or if your security engineer all of a sudden access, you know, the branch wall, that's also kind of easy. But how many of these rules again you can write? Yep, yep, yep. And so that that's where machine learning really shines because now we can, if we can observe um, for even a short period of time, um, a behavior across the enterprise, um, whatever we can capture in digital form, right? I mean, yeah. Definitely limited by that factor, um, but if you can observe a normal behavior and kind of classify um, actors in the different groups, and it's not just users, right? It's systems, it's the applications, yeah. um, the entities that uh, exhibit similar behavior. Once we know what normal, we can um, theoretically detect anomalies and um, act on those. Got it. And okay. That's basically what we've been doing and kind of uh, evolving this process for the last seven years and uh, uh, pretty good success. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that you, you folks have to, you know, you're essentially selling this as a service to, to larger organizations with Securonix and, and the work that, that you're doing day to day. Um, so it's interesting to see sort of two kinds of trends. I suppose one of them maybe would be similar across many fields, which is, sort of a transition from a rule-based if-then scenario uh, type of calculations, which I, I think it's not that those don't have application. I think there's probably plenty of those, um, you know, even expert systems or other AI approaches in, in, in industry alive today. But it sounds like with so much complexity, you can't add 400 rules every, every month and expect to have something that is still clean and understandable and really fully functional. It, it makes more sense to to let the data speak, so to speak, and it sounds like that's what machine learning is doing, as well as the, the insider threats, which is quite an interesting uh, facet as well, to see that that's a, uh, an area of heightened attention now compared to, you know, even five, five or ten years ago from your experience. Um, when you are working with businesses, um, I'm curious, you know, I mean, you, you're clearly selling, you know, your product and service here. Um, when it comes to why companies would want to have their data speak, for, for lack of better words, um, in other words, why they would need to or want to apply a more complex or robust machine learning and AI solution to their security data, what are the selling points that really get folks excited about a technology like yours um, that, that really help corporations kind of pull the trigger? In other words, what's the ROI for these guys that's so undeniably straightforward um, that uh, that that it, it ends up being what sort of moves the needle for them. Um, we 
definitely have uh, two distinct groups of um, customers. One um, less interesting is the um, people who actually didn't have anything yet in this area to protect their got it, got it, okay. um, assets, right? So they just forced basically into the spill because like, oh my God, I mean, we, we've been attacked, we, um, we know we're losing data, we're losing money, uh, we need to do something about it. Um, more interesting is the second group is the uh, organizations with somewhat uh, mature um, security posture uh, that implemented some security information event manager seems um, that basically like correlation engines that let you implement this massive numbers of uh, uh, rules and uh, act on them in real near real time. Um, so there the main issue is that as we said earlier, you know, the complexity of the stuff and the number of possible triggers uh, grows exponentially in addition to just the effort of maintaining them. The output is extremely laborious to interpret. Yeah. So now you have you know thirty thousand alerts every day, and the team of you know 10, 15 analysts to deal with it. So which ones do you look first on? I mean, you cannot possibly uh, look at all of them. No. Um, and so that 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 was where really um, the products like ours, you know, care analytics products that. Um, work either alongside or on top of that seam uh, of this correlation engine, um, kind of trying to make sense of this massive number of alerts coming in. Um, that's, that's I think, the best uh, return on uh, investment that people can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're running into the, 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 the issue that you'd already articulated. Basically, they have these big pachinko machines of, of rules and if this, then this, and after this, then this happens, and uh, at a certain point, that no longer scales or deals with the kinds of attacks. You know, you had brought up an interesting point, and I think this will sort of speak to why and where the industry demand is, as to the fact that um, these cyber attacks have sort of increased exponentially. So the intensity of the attacks and the, the variety. Um, what has really stepped up the game on the attack side that has forced people? sort of beyond the, the capacities of a rule-based system that might have worked for years and years and years. What are the particular kinds of attacks or approaches, malicious approaches, being used today that um, uh, are, are sort of forcing folks out of their shell and into solutions that involve more predictive analytics and behavioral analytics? Um, there was definitely um, was a change on the um, first side. There was a significant shift of value to the cyberspace. All of a sudden, most of our lives moved from, you know, brick and mortar physical kind of environment to digital form. And as the value moved, the talent followed, right? So we're yeah. not talking anymore about script kiddies, we're talking about well-funded, uh, uh, well-equipped and skilled attackers, all often um, well-organized and persistent. So that's definitely was one part of the uh, challenge that attacks became a lot more uh, elaborate and complex. Yeah. Um, second, um, uh, the variety of attacks, right? I mean, we're now talking about the uh, tens of thousands of uh, different variants every day. You know, we're talking about malware and different types of exploits that keep you know banging on our doors here. Um, so for the most part. Um, that that's where the rule-based, the signature-based systems are you know, having a problem right now. Um, again, 
third aspect is the, the zero day, the unknown unknowns, right? Uh, how do you protect the enterprise from the attack you've never seen before? You don't have a rule, you don't have a signature, right? Uh, and uh, that, that's, that's the one that we, I think, is the biggest selling point with um, some of our more mature customers who understand this challenge very well. Um, that the behavioral analytics, the anomaly detection in this case is the only way you really can um, can see that something is going on. And it's especially the case in, in low and slow attacks where there's no really significant increase in volume or intensity of some actions. It's just um, something that's going on pretty much between, you know, background noise uh, levels. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, attacker can spend, you know, weeks and months in the systems, slowly moving from one uh, asset to another, collecting necessary uh, intelligence. Huh. Yeah, you know, when you mentioned it, Igor, uh, with respect to the unknown unknowns, I, I was, it was just about to say before you mentioned it, it sounds like that must be a selling point, you know, and, and I suppose it is, you know, for folks with rule-based systems, you know, if there's going to be so much new variety you have to be able to just pick up on differences in and of themselves and have detections for uh, unique patterns in and of themselves in order to see something coming that you have never seen before. Um, and, and of course, that's where you know the machine learning and artificial intelligence sort of kick in there. Um, you speak of your services, sort of behavioral analytics. I imagine a lot of what we're talking about here with re respect to what you're detecting um, is you know how are the applications behaving and what sort of functions are they running? How are our various employees in various roles behaving? Uh, and and what are they accessing at what speed and variety and whatnot? When you speak of behavioral analytics, does does that really speak to the fact that a lot of hacker behavior boils down to, or a lot of hacking attacks boil down to? The behavior of programs and people, and, and your job is to pick up on those patterns. What, what do you mean by by behavioral? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there, there are two main aspect, uh, aspects to behavioral analytics. Just is knowing your normals, right? Knowing your normal patterns of behavior, because the same attacker once it crosses the once it breaches the perimeter and it's on your network, um, it's an insider to you, right? Because that's the that some. Um, Identity that is a hijacked or created a new um, that operates on your uh, on your network. Um, so basically, once the once the perimeter is crossed, uh, they're all insiders. Yeah. The only difference is that uh, they do something that insiders don't do, which constitutes this malicious um, uh, element in their activities, and that's uh, by observing deviations from normal. Uh, we uh, can catch, uh, detect this behavior. It's not as easy as it sounds, I mean, because uh, obviously um, very few people in the workplace uh, behave, uh, you know, like, uh, like a robot every day. day. Yeah, they don't do the exact thing in the yeah. exact order, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they're doing some strange stuff, and uh, sometimes <laughs> which looks a lot more dangerous than the real attacker. Yeah. Um, but sometimes they do have reason for that. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's just kind of exploration for the curiosity's sake, whatever the reason is. Um, we have to react on that. And so the biggest danger, you know, the biggest problem in behavioral analytics is false positive because of this um, significant variations in behavior. So we cannot possibly, uh, I mean, there's definitely not our intent 
to replace this 30,000 you know, rule-based alerts with another 30,000 uh, anomaly uh, deviations that uh, were anomalies detected yes. uh, on the network, right? So that's where the second part comes in, and it's a very powerful component. It's a peer group analysis. So mm -hmm. what if we, um, using again machine learning, uh, what if we can identify uh, people or system or applications uh, that have similar job functions? And because of that, you know, obviously should have very similar behavior. And if we detect some anomaly in individual behavior, Let's look at his peers. Maybe what what is unusual for this person is quite normal for the rest of the crowd, and this is the way basically to uh, curtail the uh, false positives. We yeah, use yeah, yeah. Uh, peer group analysis as uh, as a way to um, kind of to, to tone down the you know small stuff and uh, amplify uh, anomalies that really really serious both on the peer group and individual. Interesting, and, and to do that in real time, like you said, I mean, it's that's a much different job than replacing thirty thousand rules with thirty thousand unusual patterns. You have to have a way of detecting those, um, you know, as they're happening, knowing the norms, so to speak, of different roles in a company, and being able to have kind of the red flag go up at the right times when those norms for different roles are are potentially broken and not not just set off false positives all the time, as as you mentioned. Yep. As well, um, as my last question, Igor, which I think will be interesting as to sort of where you know you see the field and, and even your company headed, um, you know, ten years from now, you know, you had mentioned the trend where, and, and this is an important factor to consider, I suppose, is that there's more hackers now today because so much more data is available and accessible online. There's more gold to be mined, I suppose, and at the same time, um, while you know loads and loads of the workforce have gotten their way online. Loads and loads of criminals have gotten their way online too. They're they're part of the population of humanity here who are also making the shift uh, to the internet, and and so that's that's a trend that doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. We can expect that more and more information will be you know produced and, and potentially accessible, and then more and more people will become connected more of the time with even more of their information. With that being said, and 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 understanding sort of where where the field is headed. You know, 10, 10 years from now, how do you think the landscape of security will, will have to be altered? You know, what, what will folks in security roles sort of need to understand? And maybe what will be the, the role of, of artificial intelligence and machine learning as, as the field matures another whole decade? You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the increase in global access to the Internet and the number of players, um, obviously, low barriers to entry, all you need is, you know, you can use your phone, basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you just need a smartphone. Wherever you want. Um, so that that brings that, that's exactly, that's bring this, um, you know, volume and velocity and uh, uh, the speed of change to um, what the attackers um, can do. Um, it's also something you mentioned, you mentioned the real time. I mean, that's, that's a huge challenge. Unfortunately, most of the machine learning algorithms, they're not that frisky. Yeah. Um, they need some time to, you know, chew up uh, and digest and, um, you know, come up with uh, meaningful solutions. So that that's where our kind of technology-wise, that's where our biggest challenge is. How do we implement this kind of uh, 
with IBM are still in the perpetual analytics, right? How we can yeah. use the historical knowledge, but uh, react in real time to the events. Yep. And um, the way we do it again, I mean, there there is um, there is a hybrid solution basically. We don't completely definitely uh, we don't uh, remove uh, rule and signature based um, detection from the system because if you know that something is bad, I mean. Why dance around with behaviors, right? If yeah, I yeah. If you, if you know for a fact, you might as well keep it, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, this hybrid approach also lets us um, um, create kind of predictive capabilities in the product where basically if we know, um, not necessarily an exact sequence, but if we know dependencies in, uh, let's say, data exfiltration uh, attack, right? If you know the first, uh, uh, you know, the actor has to get on the network manipulate one of the accounts and then start aggregating the data, you know, finding interesting data and pulling them together for exfiltration and actually move the data out. So if we can catch this process on early stages, right, if we can detect this anomaly uh, before the final, the most damaging step happens, we actually can prevent this attack. So that, uh, that's one of the predictive capabilities of this approach that I believe will uh, evolve the most in, in, in the coming years. Um, because the speed of response is really inadequate. I mean, we, uh, we have uh, many attacks now scripted, so they, they, they progress at the computer speed. Yeah. And our response is still involves an analyst, still involves some kind of communication. So we need to bring our speed of response closer to the speed of attack to be able to defend successfully. Interesting. Um, okay. So the kind of from predictive analytics, from the ability to um, to, to kind of to uh, to detect the kill chain of the attack and be able to break it uh, before the damage is done, um, and that I think is the next step. And as we get in that, as we as the trust of technology, uh, you know, as we gain the trust of uh, our customers that they can rely on this technology to um, successfully detect and uh, deflect or stop or somehow mitigate the attack. That's where we go into more prescriptive analytics where the machines will do both detection and action without human intervention. That's how we can get on the um, on this computer speed level uh, in line with attackers. Got it. So the uh, it sounds like two two pretty serious challenges, uh, maybe the latter of which will be aided by just advances in computing in and of itself and, and the use of, of cloud resources in, in terms of um, just more raw computing power for the speed of the digestion of the machine learning programs, as, as you had uh, aptly put it, the word digestion. It sounds like identifying something that we don't already have a pattern for it's identifying something that's new and novel, but still responding in real time. So uh, understanding that something is malicious, being able to shut off certain accesses and kick off certain notifications and block off certain uh, maybe facets of, of data or whatnot under new and novel conditions still in real time. It sounds like that is the, the challenging supposition that are the challenging um, proposition that, that, that security companies are going to have to kind of step up to. No, absolutely, and yeah. it doesn't have to, you know, it, it's not a binary uh, change, right? We can sure. gradually uh, increase these capabilities. For example, if you see some high-risk activity on the network, um, the person is browsing some, you know, uh, malicious sites or some comp 
you sit down, or that, well, my, my thing will just slow down, or even suspend internet access for this employer, right? Yes. And, until we get uh, uh, investigated. Exactly. And if you see some significant data movement, you know, from one system uh, going somewhere outside of the company, um, perhaps we should just quarantine the uh, transfer uh, and make sure, you know, it's better be later than, you know, <laughs> uh, if it's legitimate than uh, if it's a malicious transfer. Uh, we would rather keep the data inside the company. Yep, yep. So th there are ways to kind of incrementally uh, uh, approach that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, again, yes. All, all this based, everything is based on trust in technology and uh, obviously the quality of our detection. So keeping the false positive low uh, and you know, improve the fidelity uh, of detection and uh, reduce the time to, uh, to detection. Interesting, cool. Good to get your perspective on the future. I think we've, we've spoken a little bit in some of our previous interviews about where AI plays its role in um, in data security, but but never to this depth. So hopefully this was insightful for the folks tuned in as well. Igor, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your insights here with us today on Tech Immersion. Thanks and thanks for having me. Well, that wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Immersions podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives, top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category as well as articles, news, market research and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.